This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Thoughts and Talks with Tishneem. These episodes are available on Spotify, Google and Apple Podcasts. Today's guest is from Māori organization in the Otago community. For those of you who don't know what Māori is, Māori people are the indigenous people of New Zealand and their language is Te Reo Māori. Like other cultures, they have these beautiful traditions and celebrations and we get to hear more about it today and how COVID affected their community. So, welcome to the show, Tia Tairoa. Thank you so much for joining me. Kia ora koutou. Tia Tairoa tōku e koa. Ko kaitahu me kāti māmoe me waitaha me te atiaua oku iwi no o tākawa hau. Kia ora. Kia ora. First of all, can you please give me a bit of an explanation of Māori history? a big question. <laughs> it is. It depends how long you have. <laughs> um, Just brief. Uh, well, brief. They were the indigenous people to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they started arriving a very long time ago. And um, there was plenty of uh, migrations, streams from different iwi that would, you know, go around New Zealand and take up place there. Um, and the late 1700s, early 1800s is when the Europeans began arriving and that's when um, colonisation began. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Māori don't um, base their ethnicity off blood quantum. Mm-hmm. If you have Māori blood, you have Māori blood. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. And... Tia, where do you work? And just tell me about all the organizations that you work. Um, currently, I work at Okaha, which is a consultancy agency owned by five local runanga, um, branching from um, Waiho runanga, which is up by Tamuka area, down to Hokanui um, and Gore. Um, prior to this, I worked on and off for Terunaka o Tako, which is our local organisation, Hirunanga organisation, um, down in Otako at the end of the peninsula. Um, and then pre that I worked for Terunanga o Naitahu, which was our iwi organisation, our tribal base up in Christchurch. Mm-hmm. And can you speak Māori? Um, it's a journey, that's mm. for sure, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just due to colonisation. Um a lot of us haven't been fortunate enough to be able to keep the language with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I know especially within Naitahu, um, we were, uh, I guess you could say we picked up the pen to fight rather than a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> so we learnt, you know, we really adapted to the English language. You just graduated last year, right? Yes, I what did. What did you do at uni? Um, so I majored in Māori and Indigenous Development and minored in Tourism and Management. How was that? Yeah, it was good. I mean, I just like thought about this the other day that I actually you know, paid a very large sum to learn about my own culture, <laughs> which kind of just shows the impact of colonisation on our country. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And you learned yeah. more about it? Yeah, it definitely helped me get on my te reo Māori journey because mm-hmm. um, the main part of that degree is to do te reo papers, which is the core papers. 
Um, so that definitely helped my journey with that a lot yeah. and um, just worked hand in hand and it got me a very good scholarship with my iwi, um, with Naitahu Tourism, so yeah. And Māori has these beautiful traditions and cultures and marae is a big thing. Can you tell me more about what a marae is for people who don't know? Um, I guess the best way to describe a marae is that it is an ancestral house. Mm. Um, it could be named after a ancestor or a significant event that has happened. And it's usually a place where everyone gathers together. Um, it, it could be, it could hold tangi, celebrate death. Um, so a tangi is? A tangi is a funeral, mm, okay. um, usually uh, spread across, you know, three days to a week. Um, yeah, so it's just a time to celebrate um, and mourn the person that is lost rather than, you know, just going along to a funeral for half an hour and then going home again. Mm. Um, so it's definitely a beautiful tradition, I think, that we still uphold. Yeah. Um, and there's also meetings. We hold meetings there. Um, back in the day, they were called Whareirunanga, which translates to sort of like a, a place to gather and meet and discuss things. Um, and now these days, in the modern days, you know, you can have birthdays there, you can have... Um, school visits. Yes, yeah, school yeah, visits, yeah. yeah, all sorts of things yeah. like that. I remember going to that on a school visit in year 9 or year 10, and they were so welcoming and so friendly, and I just felt so appreciated. Mm. So, yes, well, so. our, one of our core values is manaki, meaning mm-hmm. to care for people, so yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that Māori like to abide by. Yeah, and they taught us um, weaving, weaving, waxing. Weaving? Yeah. Weaving yeah. with flax? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a long time ago. Yeah. It, yeah, one of those things that they do I just found it so incredible so. yeah and can be yeah. very thera- therapeutic for people as yeah well. yeah so what are the basic functions of a marae oh gosh it depends the um I guess the event that's going on so um I guess the main functions of a marae is to provide manaki mm-hmm. at all times mm-hmm. so to care for visitors that come mm-hmm. um, and that's usually with a porphyry at the beginning. Um, What's that? It's a welcoming ceremony mm-hmm. where the kaikaranga or the person calling welcomes them onto the marae mm-hmm. um, usually with someone else who is responding um, and then once they're in the whare, in the marae um, there's usually a whaikorero that happens which is when the men on either parties stand up and do a formal speech of some kind mm-hmm. um, and then it's usually followed up with hongi hararu which is a you know pressing of noses and shaking of hands and then you go through and have kai to whakanoa the situation to uh, make it normal like you're out of that spiritual realm mm. and you can socialize yes yeah right. so you know back in the traditional times then you know that your visitors are not going to attack you that's what the original right. reasoning for Porphyry is. Right, and now it's just welcoming. Just welcoming our guests and yeah. hope that they don't attack us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And tell me about the wider connection of a marae, like the iwi and the hapu and everything else. Yeah, so generally um, it's in a structure of iwi tribe, which siphons down to a hapu, or sub-tribe level, which then filters down into whānau level. So um, 
My runaka that I affiliate to mostly um, is Otako, and we are one of 18 Papatipu runanga, which means that we fall under Naitahu, one of 18 marais from Naitahu, that are recognised as Naitahu. Um, and and Naitahu is? Naitahu is the iwi predominantly of the South Island. Right. Yes. Um, and so that's made up of multiple hapu. Um, so, for example, down in Otako, we say that we affiliate to Kaiterua Hikihiki, Kati Moki, uh, Kati Tauka, and Kaitipahi. And so, usually, <laughs> we would all um, descend from those ancestors that specify to that area. Right. Um, you know, and each, oh, there could be multiple marae that all had the same ancestor mm-hmm. but some of them are also quite different and um yeah so we're all supported by the big you know iwi um which is based out of christchurch yeah. so were you given directions from naitahu to for covid like handling covid or was it based solely within your marae um all of our own marae um responded to our own um, needs and everything in our community. Mm-hmm. So obviously the iwi itself doesn't know what the needs are in, for example, our community. Right. So our community, um, like we know our community the most mm-hmm. and we know that um, 85% of our community are over the age of 70. So we wow. know that we were incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we know things that... Look, we know, like, for example, that um, we have water issues. Um, the council cut our water off, so that meant that we didn't have supply of water. You know, all those things that uh, NITA, who didn't necessarily know that was going on. Um, in Otago. In, yeah, in Otago. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. And how did you come up with solutions to help the community during COVID? Um, well, I guess, since we're such a unique community, we're like a village. Um, there's only one road in and one road out. So we kind of knew that if we sort of took it upon ourselves to shut the community off mm-hmm. from everyone else, mm-hmm. we would be safe. Um, we would know if we, you know, did, um, if we really um, communicated to the community mm-hmm. how important it was to stay home for example and Mm. really show them the importance of what staying home can do um then yeah it just you know helped in general yeah (laughs) i fully lost my mind from right now (laughs) from the beginning to the end what did you do from the beginning to um tell the one like uh, the elders like what COVID is and how severe it is so in the beginning, um, before the government came up with the level system of mm-hmm. you know level one, two, three, and four, um, we decided to do a pamphlet drop around uh, because we knew that because our community were mostly elderly, mm. that they wouldn't have the likes of Facebook and stuff to see all this happen. Um, so we started off by doing pamphlet drops in their letterboxes just to tell them you know, communicate to them that it is really important that they take this seriously um, and that they need to start relying on younger people and their whanau. Um, 
and you know to be able to do their shopping etc because you know they need to know that they are much higher risk than um say you and I yeah what about the welfare checkups yeah so um from then on we set up um, a base to do welfare checkups on everyone um, made sure that they had the support that they needed um, made sure that they had people to pick up their groceries um, and if not then um, us younger ones would go ahead and do it um, before the lockdowns were initiated um, I did um, teach some oldies how to use the world of online shopping which is very exciting very cute um, first time they've ever cracked out their debit cards and shopped online at Countdown and the excitement on their faces was just mind-blowing. Things that are just normal for us these days, just to whip our card out and buy things online, just blew their minds to the point (laughs) where they even tried to swipe their FPOS card in in my laptop, (laughs) thinking that's how you pay it. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's that's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the main focus for us was just sharing all this information Um, you know communicating it in a way that they would understand Mm. Um, because you know um, you you sort of have to describe more in depth as to what asymptomatic is Mm. what is um, social distancing what does that really mean Um, so you know just um, making sure they understand that and um, setting up, you know, community pages and um, making sure, you know, if there's someone going in to do a big shop at the supermarket, they can list the orders down. Or if, like I said before, a lot of them did not have Facebook, um, they would get their younger Fano to then communicate that through, regardless whether they lived in the community or not. Mm. You told me um, about the care packages that you guys. Yes. So. Um, although majority of the response was on um, our marae, um, the iwi did participate in that a lot. They sent through PPE packages, um, uh, welfare packages with, you know, toilet paper and soap and all that good stuff in it, um, and uh, food as well, which was, um, you know, greatly appreciated. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. And you told me about the car park testing? Yes, so... We facilitated a COVID car park drive-through testing thing um, down at Almerai, so that was um, yeah, 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 interesting. And what was the biggest challenge for you guys and like the Marae? Mm. So um, we were needed everywhere. Mm, yeah, <laughs> um, and in terms in terms of emergency response, um, because we were acting on behalf of the community. So, like I just said, we were, you know, having to sit in on civil defence meetings daily, um, making sure, with these welfare checks, making sure everyone's okay, doing pharmacy runs. Um, we um, we organised uh, food vendors to deliver mm-hmm. as well, um, and then so we were there when they arrived so we could facilitate those. Um, and... We we were prepared to if things got really bad, you know, to do meals, etc. But our our goal was to make sure that the Marae was a sterile place. It wasn't a sick bay, so that place could be a sterile place to prepare things. Be that you know emergency response area in case things got tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
how was how did COVID affect everything? Um, well, for the Maori communities, so. yeah. yeah, yeah. For on an iwi level, um, I guess it was just like every other business who you know kind of suffered um, financially. Um, we have invested a lot in tourism, mm-hmm. um, seafoods, etc. So our biggest um, export market was China for our, our fisheries, um, and then obviously with tourism, mm-hmm. there was no um, yeah. no tourists coming in. So we took a pretty big immediate knock. Yeah. Um, and how is it now? I mean, it it could be worse. Right. Yeah, it could definitely be worse. Um, I think Naita, who is an iwi, um, has done a restructure to deal with this hit. Um, but like every other business, you know, um, yeah. We're all equally um, affected. Yeah. Um, I th- just think there's a lot of public um, public uh, views on this, just because you know it was aired over the news and yeah. stuff. And um, yeah. so, thank you so much, Tia, for joining me. This was so informative, and thank you guys for listening. And tune in next week for another episode. And for now, goodbye. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.